Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glimmer podcast, is Saucy West. Saucy falls under the model category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let her introduce herself properly. We touch on Saucy's modeling career, size and consistencies in the fashion industry, and her early journey to self-confidence as a teen. I do want to note that there are quick mentions of eating disorders, self-harm, and suicide in this episode, but they are not discussed in great detail. Please enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Could you please introduce yourself? My name is Saucy West, your favorite fat girl. Love it. You are one of, I mean, as far as, as long as I've recorded so far, um, one of two folks that I've had on the podcast who model, who do not specifically model for Smart Glamour. But as I said to my the other guest that this applied to, as far as my end goes, it's only because you live on the other side of the country. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you know I would be with you all the time. <laughs> um, so I'm so glad to have you on. Um, when did you start modeling? I started modeling 10 years ago. This, um, actually, August was my 10-year modeling anniversary. Wow. So, yeah, so I um, started modeling uh, back in 2010, and I started as a promotional model for a company called Full Figured Entertainment, um, mm. which is um, owned and operated by Tigers Osborne. Um, she, uh, I was going to uh, one of her parties because part of what she did was throw um, – uh, parties in Oakland and mm-hmm. she seen me when I came in and she asked me had I ever modeled and I was like no but I've always wanted to and so I became one of her promotional models so I helped promote the club I was on like the flyers and stuff online um, from that point I started um, getting introduced to people in the as far as in the Bay Area fashion industry and started doing fashion shows in the Bay Area from that opportunity. Um, So Runway was my first thing that I I ever did. Mm. And and then print modeling came way after, actually. I started doing print modeling probably uh, three years into my modeling. Wow. Okay. And when did you start considering yourself or calling yourself a model like right away when you started doing the promotional work right or you're like, away, I'm a model. I was ready to I was ready to <laughs> boast <laughs> when the first picture came out I was like yes I am a model <laughs> oh I love it so much so many people so many models I've interviewed so far are like oh I still don't consider myself one or like it took me five years <laughs> Well, I mean, when it, when it comes to getting coined, mm. that's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it came to just me saying, you know, I have a- actual proof that somebody has taken a picture of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. The moment, the, the moment the camera clicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and obviously I know what you look like, but in case somebody's listening to this and they don't know what you look like yet, could you describe your appearance? I am 5'11". I weigh about 415 pounds. I am a um, darker tone African-American woman. And I am the bomb. 
Love it. Yes. Um, and you also, I mean, as far as I've seen from the the years I've known you on the internet, uh, seem to be well adept at doing your own makeup as well. Um, yes. Yes. Are you are you self taught in that regard also? I am self taught. Um, this goes back into when I first started modeling, and I would do shows, uh, fashion shows, mm-hmm. and I would come. Um, you know, at my call time, like a good model should, and mm-hmm. be waiting for hair and makeup. And because I was getting discriminated against, I would never get my hair and makeup done before the show starts. So I would have to, you know, hurriedly get myself together and be runway ready. And after a few times of that going on, I started to invest in myself in that way. So I started Mm -hmm. to, I I was already doing my own hair anyway, just from me just doing hair for years, uh, Mm -hmm. being taught by my mother and grandmother. But um, as far as makeup was concerned, I was a very minimalistic chick. Um, You could see Facebook statuses from years ago. I'm like, you should be able to put your makeup on in five minutes. And that's what, and that was my philosophy until (laughs) I went into modeling world where I had to have a full beat on you know, to make and make sure I, I had good pictures and make sure mm-hmm. that when I was going down the runway that I looked good. So I would go on. So I started going on to um, YouTube mm-hmm. and uh, one of the first people who um, I found on there was Jackie Ina. She's also mm. um, a black woman. Uh, she's from um, actually her descent is Nigerian, uh, Nigerian American. So she was the first person that I've seen on YouTube and I still watch her till this day. She taught me about my undertone. She taught me about, you know, what colors look good, you know, and, and how to make colors look good on darker skin tones. Mm -hmm. So taught me how to pick out my foundation and what concealers to wear. And so I started taking all of this knowledge that I got on YouTube and I just started trial and error, you know, just sitting down at, at the table and putting on makeup, um, you know, taking pictures to see, you know, what powders flash back, you know, what powders look good on me, you know, can I achieve a makeup look without foundation, you know, a whole bunch of eyebrow nightmares, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I am very much self-taught and I'm at a point now that um, when I am doing shows and shoots and things that I can tell the people who I work with, look, you don't need to hire that makeup artist. I can do my own makeup. Let's save that money. Actually, you can give me that money, and then I can, <laughs> then I can do my uh-huh. own hair and makeup, you know. And and that's that. We can kill two birds with one stone over here. I'm a one stop shop, <laughs> which is wonderful. Um, so when you mentioned quickly before, like that you the reason that you started learning was because you would go to um, shoots or shows and, and get there at your call time, and then no one would do your hair and makeup. Do you mean that like they would do everyone else's first and like Absolutely. be thinking that you, that they would be getting to you and then they don't magically just didn't get to you. Absolutely. Magically did not get to me. At uh-huh. time, You know, uh-huh. and there will be girls who would show up way after sometimes, you know, probably 30 minutes before the show started and they'd be sitting in the chair before me. Hmm. And, um, you know, I just found out that, it was, you know, because people just didn't respect me. They didn't take me seriously uh, being a fat model. Um, I am 
as far as I know and the knowledge that I have and the research that I've done, you know, and one of the first size 30 models, especially a woman of color model to do Mm -hmm. runway. And Mm -hmm. no, I haven't been on big stages. I haven't been at New York fashion week. I haven't been in any fashion weeks, but I, you know, am still right now a size 30 model who can, you know, strut down a runway and, Mm -hmm. you know, am kind of like waiting for that moment where I can show the world, Hey, look at, look at what we can do, you know? Yeah. It's just so bonkers to me. You know, I see, I mean, it's, it's all, it's bonkers and it's also frustrating to me because as somebody who, you know, I just, I just want to dress everybody and I want everyone to model for me. And it's like physically impossible for me to do so. Um, and especially so many incredible human beings that, you know, I have found through the internet that I'm just like, man, if, if I had any kind of funding, um, I would just, you know, fly you to New York city, (laughs) you know, and you and so many others, so many others. Um, and it's, I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's how the system's built, right? Like the people, the people that uh, want to be the most inclusive and want to do it correctly are the people that are not um, getting the funding from the institutions who, you know, uphold. And and it's the same way for me when Mm -hmm. I, when I started modeling, I told myself uh, when I began to get introduced to fat activism and fat liberation, Mm-hmm. that I wanted to incorporate that in my modeling. I wanted to make sure that I still use my voice in a way that would uplift fat bodies. And mm-hmm. I quickly seen that the industry did not like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. even even me um, where I am now, I feel like, you know, my my numbers are where they are, but are it's because... I've always been very loud and proud about my activism in terms of the unfairness that happens in this industry um, as far as, you know, these companies not extending their sizes to the sizes they should be extending to. Um, mm-hmm. And also now I'm really getting very loud about now these influencers that are coming in that, mm-hmm. you know, are pretty much, you know, washing out you know, the faces of this industry and, you know, and the, and how we should be, you know, more socially acceptable. Everyone should be socially acceptable, but because there are only so many socially acceptable body types, those people are in the forefront and we're getting left behind. Um, and it's, it's, you know, making us disappear is, is diminishing us. So, mm-hmm. I'm starting to call out those those people as well. Now I'm just like, hey, you have the influence mm-hmm. to change things and you're not doing it. So what right. what do we need to do? What conversation do we need to have? Right, right. And I also think just in general, you know, I see so many companies that will do their castings and, you know, whether or not they're being open about it, I mean, I'd rather they be open about it because then they'd have the transparency aspect at least. But so many people, so many brands will do these castings and then magically 
the people that get casted are all influencers. They're all people with big numbers. Um, And, you know, they make it seem like they're, you know, doing a whole big casting to just like find people, you know, that, that don't, that, that are, you know, aren't agency represented or, or don't, um, who haven't been found before. And then I'm like, I literally know who all these people are from the internet. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what you're doing. Like, just be honest and say, honest. I'm hiring influencers because I want to be able to use their platform to my own gain without paying them their influencer fee. Like, I mean, that's what you're doing. Absolutely. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Like, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's easy to, to get these influencers to, to be the face of a company because they know they're going to sell. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like every time something drops, you know, uh, any kind of major collaboration or any mm-hmm. kind of, you know, campaign that includes influencers, especially if they are white, white, white presenting, ambiguous looking mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that it, it, uh, it, it sells, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when you have people who are, you know, if you, if you have black people, you know, for some reason, they they don't want to use our faces to be the mm-hmm. face of, you know, they don't want to use our faces to, you know, represent their 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 brands, um, a- except for if it's like, oh, yeah, we'll send you something, you know, you could take a picture in it, you know, and, right. you know, then we can do that. But, you know, for us to actually pay you. It's like, what? You want me to pay you? And I think that that's crazy. Yeah, especially when, you know, I think especially at the the um, non-corporation level, right? So there's there's business that are clearly like giant corporations, like, you know, I don't know. For some reason, what's coming to my head are like, <laughs> are more like active wear ones, but like Nike, Adidas, but even like giant, cor- you know, a big company like ASOS, like those are big, yeah. big businesses and then there's the the quote unquote smaller businesses that people mistakenly assume are small businesses and they are not they're 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 mid-level brands that if you look them up i mean and i don't know if people know this because that you know the average person is not trying to get funding for things but you can look up almost any company on this website called crunchbase.com and it will show you the rounds of funding and investments companies have taken on and who gave them the money. Wow. Um, so when we're talking about companies like Universal Standard or Eloquy that people are assuming are smaller businesses, they're not. They're raising they're raising, you know, tens, twenties, thirties of millions of dollars. Okay. Yeah. And then people want to compare them to small businesses that are literally run by, you know, one person five people 10 people if that <laughs> that that are, you know just just were self-funded and then they make their own money and then they you know use that profit moving forward it's a very different ball game so when when these businesses who are you know fully funded opening multiple store locations are trying to say oh we don't have a budget for influencers i mean that's just it's garbage yeah yeah <laughs> it is and 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 they should definitely be be paying people and it's oh god we don't even get, i don't even want to get started on universal standard 
mm-hmm. don't even want to get started on them. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the way, like in their infancy, in their infancy, how they treated people, you yes. know, how they treated models, how they treated, you know, cause I, I was a part of that. I was a part of that, that first go round where they were, you know, sending out stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I gave honest feedback, you know, mm. and they didn't like it. Mm. And they didn't put my pictures up and I took some bomb pictures for them. For sure. And they did not they did not post my pictures and they did not reach out to me ever again. You know, wow. because I told them, hey, you know, because I mean like you you're you're sending me something to put out to my audience mm-hmm. and you know, unlike some influencers, I do think about people who are of extended sizes. Mm-hmm. When I am putting on something and I'm just like, hey, you know, this is supposed to be a, you know, a 28, you know, but I'm telling you as a size 28, 30, that my belly needs a little bit more room. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to cut this a little bit differently. You know, this needs mm-hmm. to be a woman's cut. You know, this needs to be a full cut, you know, or mm-hmm. and not, you know, you're using you know, this fabric, you know, but you need to go and do these certain measurements on this type of body type. If you want to really be considered inclusive, like I'm giving you this information for free. So I'm like trying to give them notes on the things that I was sent and they did not like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm like, so why did you send me the stuff then? Like, why did you send it to me if you didn't want to get my feedback? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot of weird stuff about their their sizing um, from like just, you know, uh, folks posting about them saying that certain models on the site are this size, but the, the models themselves yes. are saying they're this size or yes. they, they're actually literally wearing garments that are other sizes and then they're saying it's one size. I mean, mm-hmm. it just all of that sounds so um, ridiculous to me. But also, I and I think it, you know, it does nothing to help the... Um, the lack of true knowledge about sizing and 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 sizing consistencies and and why they exist and how things are made i mean you know and it's fine that that the average people don't really know that kind of stuff because you shouldn't not everyone shouldn't know exactly how every single thing that they purchase is made and you know you should be able to just get something without you know getting a degree in it um but at the same time, you know, if companies were more transparent overall about how they decided on their sizes, why they're calling them what they are, what yeah. exact measurements things are, you know, then people would be able to make more um, educated uh, shopping choices. Yeah, because I, I mean, even I hear this about ASOS. Mm. Everyone always says, oh, their stuff fits so much bigger. You know, it's a size 22, but a size 24, 26 can wear it. That's mm-hmm. great. But am I going to chance it? <laughs> right. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, am I going to chance it? And I'm like, I I don't want to chance it with the company. I want to know exactly what I'm getting. You know, yes. like, I want to know exact if it's going to fit when mm-hmm. I when I click it. You know, I want to know when, when it gets to my house, is it going to be ready for me? And, you know, mm-hmm. ASOS and is, is an e-commerce brand. So I'm like, I can't go to a store and, and right. take this back. 
Right. Yeah. Well, the thing that's hard about stores, stores like ASOS, which are different than stores like Universal Standard, is ASOS sells their own things, but they also sell other people's things. Mm. And anytime that happens, you know, like something like Mod Cloth is similar, right? Like they sell their own garments, but then they also sell tons of other different brands' garments. Yeah. And so they're just, there's a drop off because the sizing they try to make the sizing consistent across but it's truly impossible to do that when you're selling um clothes from so many different brands and then also your brand and then meanwhile asos sell you know their fast fashion as much as they try to make themselves seem you know like a little higher end of a because of their you know their their style and their taste but at the end of the day their things are are fast fashion which means they're being produced at you know, all these random design houses and then getting outsourced to all these random different factories. Like things are not all made in the same place. I can 150% guarantee that. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, there will be inconsistencies. There's no way around it. (laughs) Absolutely. And I know, you know, way more about that than me. Like I just have only touched (laughs) on the surface of like learning that type of stuff. Uh But I'm just like, I know I, I can only imagine like, yeah, some of the some of the inconsistencies some of these companies have in terms of what they're selling and you know what is actually being mm-hmm. you know given to the consumer and I know it's mm-hmm. it's absolutely frustrating you know on I, I know on my end you know that's why I kind of stick to a certain program I actually support way more um, you know smaller and indie designers that are local that I, you mm-hmm. know, I can get stuff just made from. Cause I'm just like, I can right. easily just grab some basics from Torrid and then, you know, have somebody make me a fly, you know, cape or something to go over it. And then bam, you know, it's, it's easier for me to do that than for me to try to trust something like that, you know, cause yep. it's of all those inconsistencies. Yeah. A hundred percent. So to talk about back to modeling and back to maybe some more, more positive stories Um, over the 10 years that you've been modeling and I'm sure you've had, you know, a number of experiences, both (laughs) bad and good and neutral. Um, How, how and where do you, you know, find the opportunities, especially when you first started? So I know you did the started with promotional modeling, but then how did you start looking for, for opportunities? Um, so I, I did a lot of stuff on, on Craigslist. That's when Craig, Craigslist was still, uh, pretty safe to operate. And mm-hmm. I would look up things on Craigslist and like look up model castings. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I found a couple of businesses on there that I worked with and did like some fit modeling stuff, like in the Bay area. Um, mm-hmm. there was a company called Weeby Bob. I don't think they're in existence anymore. Um, there's another company that, uh, Tigris, um, worked with called Eliza Parker. They were another company that did a lot of fit modeling stuff. Mm. So it was just different companies that you could kind of find on Craigslist and, um, and like connect with them on that level. Um, after that it was Facebook. Facebook was a really, really big, um, help for me as far as finding, like fashion shows that they were casting. Um, mm. So I found a lot of things on there. Um, at that point, that's when I I started using social media a little bit more, like to say, 
well, I kind of don't think I'm going to get an agency to back me just because I'm so, you know, not on the radar like that. It's hurt in terms of like my body type, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, maybe I should just try to use my social media to kind of be like a like a reference guide for, you know, fat fashion. Mm-hmm. And so I would, you know, just try to do little things and, um, you know, post photos and, you know, do, do that, do that kind of stuff. So that people who were my size could come be like, Oh, well, you know, Saucy found this here. Yeah. Let, let me go and, you know, check them out. So the, the, the hope was for me to be like that go-to for my, for my body type and my size. Um, Mm -hmm. and, so from there, I, I kind of had to transform my socials because before it was just like, you know, me posting my daughter, me, you know, being, right. you know, with that kind of stuff. And I had mm-hmm. to kind of transform it into more of a lookbook. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I began to, um, you know, try to figure out how I'm going to take my own pictures and, you know, getting getting other, you know, getting outfits and having to, you know, hopefully getting people to send me things and, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and investing in it in, in that way. From that, that's when I started getting other opportunities because people were seeing me as a professional, even though I was on Instagram. Right. You know, people talk crap about Instagram models, but I was an Instagram model, you know, mm-hmm. I was an Instagram model that, you know, got a little bit of, you know, something underneath my belt because of my presence and how I was on Instagram. Like people could actually go on my Instagram and be like, okay, yeah, she does fashion. Yeah. And she's an activist. And Mm -hmm. it was very clear and present. Like this is what she does. And Mm -hmm. I got those opportunities because of that. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thankful for my, for that platform that helped me get introduced to so many different people. Um, I got introduced to um, Claire up in uh, Portland from Copper Union, Shauna Chucky Cartwheels, um, mm-hmm. Jamie Lopez, Baby Doll Beauty Couture down in LA. Um, you know, it was like so many different people. I got introduced to you, you know, through my socials, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. I'm like, it, it's like I got all of these amazing connections to people in fat fashion. Um, that I probably wouldn't have if I didn't have, you know, a really, you know, solid social media presence. Absolutely. And I think, you know, man, there's the internet is a tricky thing. And so is social media. And there are are definitely um, a lot of bad things that go along with it. Um, But, you know, the community that you can create, um, on the internet and also the fact that it you know there anyone can you know make a social media platform and then and and take pictures of themselves and and start to then create that imagery where maybe that imagery wasn't existing prior so yeah at the end of the day there are a lot of incredible benefits to it you know i mean smart glamour uh existed and grew because of social media you know um, you, if you're a small business and you don't have 
you know, tons of money to put into traditional paid advertising, like that's, that's what you do. So, I mean, it's definitely a valid platform. And, and I think that, you know, when people say, you know, oh, Instagram model, and they think they're saying it in the, in a negative connotation, I Mm -hmm. mean, I don't know. I mean, I understand people feeling a certain type of way about folks in the internet who, you know, are just, you know, over consumption and, and they're not kind and they don't give back and they're not, you know, um, and and maybe they would already fit into the mainstream beauty ideals. So yeah. it's like, oh my God, whatever. But you know, that that's only one part of the one part of the story. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. So I have two two questions. One question I'm thinking is probably a shorter question, so I'll ask it first. But how would you um, create your modeling name as as <laughs> Um. So before I I started modeling, um, I was uh, dating this guy, and mm-hmm. um, his best friend, which is also a good friend of mine as well. Um, you know, he he told me he was like, man, I'm. I'm gonna call you saucy because you stay dipped. <laughs> <laughs> so, because um, we, you know, I, I've always been a a pretty fly big girl, you know, for years. Uh-huh. I started I started my journey when I was 14 years old, as far as loving myself and being unapologetic about who I am. So this is not mm. this is nothing new to me. So, um, right. you know. He was like, I'm going to call you saucy because you stay dipped. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. So um, for years, I was I was called saucy for years as a nickname. Um, and then when I started modeling, I was working at a company that people were just very nosy. And, <laughs> and so I was like, I don't want people to like Google me and mm-hmm, be all in my mm-hmm. business. Mm. So um, I... Um, I was a very big Kanye West fan when he came oh. out. Um, so I changed the name, the spelling of my name, Sauce, by Kanye West. Because uh-huh. I just, oh. I was, a, you know, super fan. Um, musically, I, I still am a fan of his. Musically, I know he's very controversial in other ways. But um, yeah. I, I am a... As far as my love for for hip hop, um, uh-huh. he made me fall in love with hip hop again when he um, dropped the college dropout and the albums following that. As far as um, just his creativity, his love for music, and his passion for music, and um, so I admired that about him. He's also a Gemini like me, you know. We're you know, so he can be very misunderstood sometimes and off the chain, off the Richter. And I know a lot of people you know, look at me kind of crazy when I'm on my rants about fat activism and, you know, all of that. And people look at me like, oh, she's a little bit radical, (laughs) you know? So I understand, (laughs) you know, I understand sometimes like, you know, especially like in his earlier days when he would go on certain rants, I'm just like, I wonder if people look at me like that about (laughs) being an activist. So, um, yeah, so that's, where Saucy West came from, it derived from Saucy, and then it came to Saucy, Saucy West. 
Wow. Um, well, first of all, I am also a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that explains so much. <laughs> um, second of all, do you, I mean, do you care? Do you mind? Do you prefer the pronunciation of saucy or saucy? Don't, it, it doesn't matter to me. Like, if you, okay. if, if you want to, you know, saucy is the how it was originally. I just changed the the, the spelling uh-huh. and stuff on it. A lot of people call me saucy just because that's just how it is. Like, they're like, oh, you so saucy, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, so that's just how, it, it depends on what you want to do. Okay, okay, cool. Um, and then the other question that I had, which, I mean, you um, accidentally, magically kind of touched on a little bit there was, so like your relationship to um, fashion, and you can also tie that into your relationship with, with any kind of like fat activism, fat, fat activism or body image stuff pre-modeling. So you said that you started this journey when you were 14. So what did 14 up until modeling look like <laughs> for you? Um. 14 was very um, beautiful for me because I I made a, a vow to myself that I would never let anyone dictate what I did with my body at that point. Um, mm. When I was nine, um, I had an eating disorder. I was, mm. I was bulimic. Um, I also was a cutter. And um, I attempted suicide and it was all because you know people were telling me that there was something wrong with me Mm. and you know I, I I didn't understand like what why was I different because you know I was always the tallest. I was always the biggest. Mm-hmm. I, you know, wear and wore glasses at a very young age, you know, kind of set up, you know, like she's going to have some challenges, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I was 14, I remember I was going to therapy. I started therapy when I was like 12, 13 years old, you know, after I was found out and still struggled with that and mm-hmm. going through therapy you know, just realizing that it wasn't because something was wrong with me. It was because somebody who told me something was wrong with me, there was something wrong with that person that told right. them that. And it was just something that was poured into, it was like a generational type of, you know, messed up situation that I was in. And it, it wasn't my fault. Um, because mm-hmm. when I, I looked in the mirror at myself, I was like, I don't really have a problem with myself. I'm like, somebody, they, they have a problem with me. So when I made that revelation, it was over. At that point, I was like, I'm the flyest thing walking. So <laughs> I told myself when, when I went into high school, I got, I got into high school 14, 15 years old. And mm-hmm. when I made that transition, I was like, look, I, I know that everyone has these kind of, like messed up high school experiences especially like what you know with size and all of that I was like I'm gonna just I'm gonna live balls to the wall pretty much you know my high school years I I tried to do everything I wanted to do some things were unsuccessful you know I I wanted to be a cheerleader didn't happen you know fat phobia and that um mm-hmm. you know didn't have dates to proms you know didn't you know it was all that 
I dealt with all of that type of stuff, you know, the rejection mm-hmm. from the boys. But I was okay because I knew I was the bomb. But it was like they weren't ready to, they weren't confident to deal with me. So that was, mm-hmm. you know, high school, you know. And then when I got into college, um, it just, it was, it just carried on. Like I, I always loved to look good. I always loved to dress, you know, mm-hmm. and I love men. So it kind of always was like, <laughs> it was kind of always like, well, I'm going to be looking like this and all of the men are going to be like, Ooh, look at her, you know? So it was always just me just wanting to look, I always want to look good. I'm just, I'm ultra femme. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it came to my body, it was because I was already just, I was like my, like my foundation was already okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't need to try to find a man that's gonna like, you know, be scared. I'm like, if you don't want this, you don't want this. You don't want all of this. Like, mm-hmm. and you like understand that. And, um, and so I never, so stuff like that never really shook me. Like if a man, you know, didn't want me because I was big, I was like, whatever, you know, you don't have to want me. I'm gonna find somebody else that wants me, you right. know? And when, it, in, in terms of love, in terms of fashion and, you know, it was always a struggle, you know, um, until Tord came along. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was, yeah. I was, you know, ordering out the Romans catalog, shopping at Lane Bryant's, you know, with, uh-huh. with, with the rest of the crew. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, occasionally g- going into, um, I think it was a hot topic, you know, mm-hmm. finding some stuff in there. Um, but again, just, I was always, you know, just very confident, just didn't like people, whoever came into my life just knew automatically that this is who I am. This is, you know, this is Antoinette, which is my government name. This is Antoinette, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, this is, this is who she is. That's it. Period. Don't question it. Mm -hmm. You know, or you're going to get red and that's that. (laughs) So me coming into activism world, you know, which was in my thirties, um, late twenties, thirties. Um, it was like, finally, I have found where I belong. Mm. Like I, I always felt like no one ever understood like the inner workings of a fat girl. Like, you know, my, my friends love me. They respect me. They think that you know, like, like they admire my confidence, but it's like going to the club or, you know, and they're, you know, everyone's like thinking that the fat girl is the freaking, you know, pink elephant in the room or going out mm-hmm. to restaurants and, you know, like, oh, are they going to have, you know, a booth that's going to fit me? Like those types of things, other people didn't worry about that were in my brain. Then when I got into mm-hmm. fat activism world, all those other people were like, yeah, we have to deal with that too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is, this is like where I belong. I feel like I belong. So that's, so when I, when I met Tigress, she introduced me into fat community and it was kind of like that, that really beautiful frosting on the cake for me. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been really confident. I've always loved myself, but now I have community. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I'm able to, to speak out freely about the social injustices of fat people, of fat mm-hmm. black people, of fat black women, of fat black femmes, of fat black, you know, trans, of fat, it, mm-hmm. the whole spectrum. Like, I'm able to, to be that person now because I have that voice and I'm unafraid. I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care if it's like, you know, unpopular opinion. The fact is, is that these are the struggles that we go through. And now I'm able mm-hmm. to speak on them as a black woman, you know, and mm-hmm. know that, and know that, 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 uh, worth behind it, know that deservability behind it. So that is 39 year old saucy, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of living in my fat freedom and just navigating and where, where am I going to go next to this? Yeah. I think that um, community is definitely something that gets brought up on a lot of these podcast episodes I've recorded so far. And I truly do think that what you just explained is, is such an important um, facet of community that, you know, you feel like you found your people. That's what community is, but they also like allow you to be um, your most loud and proud and supported self. You know, you, you feel like you can um, share your voice louder than you were before because you know, you have people there backing you up. Yes. Um, Which is so so important. And I also thought of, um, you know, we go all the way to the back of this chat when I was asking you about um, when did you start considering yourself a model? And you said (laughs) when the camera clicked and (laughs) Um, I think that's so wonderful, but it also makes so much uh, sense now knowing your background a little bit more, because I think a lot of the folks who I've asked that question to, who it took them a bit, I think it's because modeling was like, was part of their journey, you know? Um, and you're so, um, I mean, obviously you went through some dark times to get there, but lucky that you got there when you did because then you had all this foundation so that when somebody finally was like yes i'm gonna i'm gonna take a picture of you and i you know the people with the camera need to realize also that the the power that they have um, to say like i see you and i i I am calling you a model and therefore you are one Um, absolutely and you were ready to say yes i am from the from day one which is which is so wonderful i i i really love that and that's the truth because mm-hmm. I, when, when I first started modeling, you know, you know, I, I, I did deal with the discrimination, even, even with photographers, you know, mm-hmm. um, as far as like wanting to put, you know, certain models in the forefront, like, you know, again, the racially ambiguous, the, the white, the, you know, every, everything, but me, mm-hmm. but I remember meeting photographers who knew how to like, dark skin, you know, knew how to make me look like, you know, the radiant, you know, chocolate bronze goddess I am, you know, (laughs) instead of, you know, fading me into the background. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, the the photographer holds a lot of power in that. And as far as making you feel good in front of that camera, because they know how to 
because they're looking at you through a different lens at that point. So absolutely, you know, definitely, you know, first click, you know, it was like I was in mahogany. I was dying to Ross, you know, <laughs> don't ask me what if the pictures were good or not. <laughs> I, I am like, I ask tigers all the time. I'm like, do you have those pictures still? Because I am just, I, I, I know it's cringeworthy. Some of the stuff I'm looking, I'm just like, oh my God, I thought I was so cute. <laughs> but it was not right, you know? Because <laughs> I look at stuff now, like even me being able to photograph myself now, mm-hmm. I, I see the change. I see the change. I see, you know, it's just, it's a different, um, it's different, like what you can convey through a picture now. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if I'm modeling a shoe, if I'm modeling, you know, uh, you know, a shirt, it's just different things you do. It's a, a different way you kind of have to be like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to take a picture like you with your girlfriend's like, Hey girl, Hey, you know, you're not going to, you're not going <laughs> to do that. If you're doing a high fashion shoot, you know, it's a, it's different. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely, um, looking at somebody behind the lens and, you know, kind of, you know, you're like, yes, you, this is what you are. And, mm. and but yeah, I mean, I, I knew that this is what I wanted to be when I was a little girl. So like, I was just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it took me, it took me years, but I, I got there. I got there. Yes. Um, so my last, my last question that I like to ask everybody, um, and then, you know, it pertains to whichever industry they're a part of. And I always preface it with, I'm sure there are a lot of things because <laughs> we, everyone that I, that I have on this podcast has lots of opinions um, on, on how things can be better, which I agree with pretty much all of them. Yeah. So what are the one or two most important things that you would like to see change in the modeling industry slash and or fashion industry? True inclusivity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's just like the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we get so many excuses on why things do not go beyond a four or five X. We mm-hmm. get more excuses than action. Yes. And a per a, and I, I have been in these debates with, you know, with designers. I have been in debates with, you know, with people who feel like they know. <laughs> and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's because the fabric, the oh my fabric God. costs more money. And I'm just like, <sighs> I want to know. I and, and I have been in a fabric store, mm-hmm. a regular fabric store. And I'm not even talking about on, you know, in fashion districts where I know the stuff is discounted. Mm. I have, you know, I I have purchased Jersey knit cotton with mixed with rayon and mixed with, you know, all of that. I -hmm. know how much that junk costs per yard. I know how many yards it takes to make me a skirt. Mm -hmm. So I want you to tell me. Why can't you make me clothes? Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, like, you're not talking to anyone who is just like, oh, I'm just 
a regular, I'm a regular consumer. You know, I'm, you're not talking to me. I'm talking, you're talking to someone who really has deep dive into this and really wants to know, why can't you make me clothes? Mm-hmm. And the thing, and the, and the reason why is because people do not think that fat people want to be fashionable. Yep. The second reason is because they don't want to see fat people wearing certain things. They want to yep. keep us in a box. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like inclus- true inclusivity is the main thing that needs to happen. And with that, it needs to be education mm-hmm. on how we can do this. And it needs to be thoughtful production. Don't just mm-hmm. throw it out there. Really Stop using a fit model that's a size 10 to make plus size clothes. Yep. You need to have three different fit models, maybe even mm-hmm. more. Right. Three needs to be the minimum mm-hmm. because that's showing the consumer. I'm thinking about you. I'm not just trying to take your money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I say this every time. I do any kind of interview, any kind of podcast. Mm-hmm. This that is my next step in what I want to do, as far as you know, my role in the fashion industry. You know, I know I can do the modeling, I know I can do the runway, but I want to be a consultant. I want to really mm. sit up here and work with these people on how to have a better um, customer experience. With mm-hmm. fat bodies, like how are we going to how are we going to usher in this level of customer service? Mm-hmm. And you know, I want to be that that person, that consultant, that liaison that can do that because I'm truly going to speak for this marginalized group. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a wonderful idea, a wonderful goal. I think that's absolutely something that you can do and should do. <laughs> Man. I, I mean, this is, it's it's like my, like my passion now. It's just like what I want to do. It's like, it's so important to me, you know, because mm-hmm. I see the lack of, so um, inclusivity. Mm-hmm. The, the other one is visibility. Um, mm. I want to see more. I want to see more fat black folks, and mm-hmm. that's that. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> period. Like I am tired of seeing the same faces. I'm tired. I'm tired mm-hmm. of seeing it. We need to get these micro influencers that have a passion for fashion out here in the forefront. Yes, and I think in order to do that. Um, companies who, well, first of all, companies that do give a damn. If they don't give a damn, they're not going to do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Companies that do, the companies that do give a damn need to be aware that social media is driven by an algorithm that is fatphobic and racist. So if you are casting based on people's numbers, then you're going to be casting in a way that is fatphobic and racist. Yes. (laughs) So Agreed. you can't you can't only 
bring into that. And I'm also want to circle back to, I'm so glad that you brought up exactly that um, conversation about fabric and how much it costs and how much you need, because it's something that I talk about a lot. And um, I actually literally just did a whole story breakdown of exactly how much more money I spend to make items that take a lot of fabric. I'm not talking about a pencil skirt. You know, I'm talking about Mm -hmm. things that have a lot of fabric in them. How much more I spend to make them in a size 15X than I do in a 1X than I do in an extra small and what that means. Um, And by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be long gone from my stories, but it is saved in my um, one of my many fashion facts story highlights on Instagram. Awesome. people can go check that out it's it's under the third one (laughs) because whenever i put whenever i put up um like informational type posts in my story i I save them under these highlights that are called fashion facts so under fashion facts you'll see a complete breakdown with pricing um uh and yardage and retail costs etc of why exactly what you said is correct and that argument is garbage yes (laughs) oh man this was such a lovely conversation. I'm yes. so glad that you came and chatted with me. I'm so glad um, you had me. Where can people follow you on the internet? Google me. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> you can find me. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook, Saucy West Plus Model. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, Saucy West. Um, I also TikTok, Saucy West. Oh. I am on Twitter when I do my word vomit on Twitter. And um, if you want to know my rates, go to my website, SlossyWestPlusModel.com. And Wonderful. you can book me. I am bookable. I do all types of things. So um, as far as I, you know, if you want to send me a product, I can, I, I'll post it, you know, and I, and those prices are on my website. I also do, um, e-commerce merchandise photo, uh, f- photographs and I also do the edits on them. So if you mm. have an e-commerce site, I have a white backdrop in my in my house. I can take the photos, send them over to you. You can put them on your website. If you have products that you um, you know have out, so I do that as well. Um, Wonderful. And yes, and I also do consulting. I do um, you know workshops and. Um, seminars if you want to speak at those those rates are also on my thing so i i, I do everything except like one stop <laughs> shop not just yes. a bottle here baby <laughs> <laughs> wonderful and i will um hyper all those things in the show notes so you can just head there and click them and you have no excuse to not hire saucy west okay i am hireable <laughs> i am bookable she's ready <laughs> <laughs> let's get it i hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of fashion for all please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on apple podcasts to help others find the show for more smart glamour goodness you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on facebook at backslash smart glamour and instagram at smart underscore glamour thanks